A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. If you were to tell the story about your life, where would you begin that story? Would it begin with your birth? I was born at St. Joseph's Hospital in Orange, California. I'm pretty darn native to the area. Would I begin at St. Joseph's Hospital or maybe more uh, importantly before that? I was, I was born the youngest of four daughters. So I was hardly the first child of my parents, and I think as a kid I always thought my parents must have been really bummed out when I was born that I wasn't a boy. They already had three girls. What the heck did they need another fourth girl? I was older when I realized that my mother was also the oldest of four girls. So she, had, she was the oldest of four girls, and then she had four girls. So that must have actually been kind of a joy for her. She kind of probably liked that. Maybe it was okay. But then my story is that I'm a part of this long line of women. And on the other side, I am the great-grandchild of Norwegian immigrants. And so there's that story. There's the story of my father's family in, in very rural farm country of North Dakota, my mother's family in Pensacola, Florida. There's stories that go way back even beyond that. And if any of us were to tell our stories, it probably wouldn't start with our birth, but would go back some time because none of us really just arrived at birth. There were things that preceded us. When the gospel writers tell Jesus' story, they all tell it just a little bit differently. John gets really esoteric and philosophical. And he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and all of this stuff. There's no, no shepherds and wise men and angels, none of that. He just starts with, with the creation of the cosmos and ends up with this Jesus. For Matthew, Matthew begins with Jesus' uh, genealogy and goes all the way back, tracing Jesus' lineage way, way back. 
Luke is the one that we're most familiar with. Luke begins with the shepherds and the wise men and the journey to Bethlehem and Mary, even before Jesus' birth, Mary and the Annunciation and Elizabeth, all that kind of stuff. That's all Luke's gospel. Luke has a whole narrative around Jesus' birth that we've just gotten finished celebrating. But if we started Jesus' story as Mark does, there is no birth narrative. There is no story about how Jesus was born There is no Mary, no Joseph, no Wiseman, no shepherds, no family history. It is just, it starts with John the Baptist, and then immediately Jesus is there to be baptized. For for Mark, it doesn't matter who Jesus' family was, whether he was from a wealthy family or a humble family, whether he was from what region, what nationality, what anything. It doesn't matter. For Mark, the moment begins, the Jesus story begins at baptism. Now, the Gospels all share the story of Jesus coming to the Jordan River to be baptized by his cousin John. And we have the story of the heavens opening up, and some say the Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove, and this voice calling out from the heavens. We don't know if anybody else heard it, if just Jesus heard it, or people must have heard it because it's reported. This is my beloved. You are my son. With you, I am well pleased. In Mark's gospel, that's what we get. With you, I am well pleased. It is this profound moment of revealing. We're in the season of Epiphany, remember? And Epiphany is always about revealing, about manifestations. And in Jesus's, in, in Mark's gospel, Jesus is revealed as the Son of God at the moment of his baptism. And so here in the church for lo these 2,000 years, we have been baptizing people. We have been claiming them as God's beloved. All of us, regardless of where we come from, where we're going to, what our, our, who our parents were, how wealthy or humble or whatever race, nationality, politics, whatever, all of that In Christ, we are baptized and we are called into the unity. Paul, the unity of the church, Paul often talks about baptism as this call into unity. And here I'm I'm reading from Galatians, but he says, and this is Galatians 3, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are heirs according to the promise. The, those kinds of words, those kinds of sentiments are found throughout um, the, uh, Paul's writings, the sense that in baptism we are called into community and that we are called into unity, a a sense that there is no distinction among us now. There is no distinction between those that were baptized 
at three months old or those who walked into the doors of the church for the very first time today, those who have been members for 60 years and those who are just here, all are one in the body of Christ. There is no distinction in Christ because in baptism, God calls each and every one of us beloved children of God. You are a beloved child of God. I'll let you in on a little preacher secret. There's really only three sermons. There's only three. We preach them in a, in a variation of, of ways. You know, when, when the, the rabbis were asked, you know, what, what, is the, what is the number one most important commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Very good. And the rabbi said, everything else is commentary. That, that, that is it. Everything else is commentary. So I'm going to let you in. One of the sermons is that you are a beloved child of God, and there is not anything you can do about that. There is Nothing that can change that identity. That identity has nothing to do with how good you are, how well behaved you are. It has nothing to do with your nationality, with the way that you vote, with the way that you think. It has nothing to do with any of that, that you are a, a beloved, beloved child of God. I'll leave it to you to figure out what the other two sermons are. You can tell me later. I know what they are. I brought with me this, this picture. It's a picture that Nikki drew for me. It's been up in my office ever since. I would say she was probably about six when she drew it. And it has a little picture of me. And it says, hi, Aunt Amy and Chloe. That was our dog. And then it says, I love you so, so much. And the dog says it. And Nikki says it. And it's a sweet little picture. Now, I'll tell you, it doesn't look anything like me. It doesn't look anything like our dog. It doesn't look anything like her. Does it make it any less perfect? No. As parents, of course, we love our children exactly the way they are. It doesn't matter that what they present to us is some perfect offering. We don't look at it and go, well, you could do better. It's kind of shabby artwork there. No. We accept it as a perfect and beautiful gift. And I kind of feel like with each and every one of us, if God had a refrigerator, our artwork would be right up on front of it. God would have pictures of us smiling. God would have pictures of us loving life, loving creation, loving one another. We bring God joy. You are my beloved. With you I am well, well pleased. We come always to baptism with this sense of God's blessing upon us, not because we've done everything right, not because we've checked all the, the perfect little church boxes, not because we ourselves are a perfect church. We are far from a perfect church. But because God is working in us, that spirit of God is descending upon us, and God is pleased with us. 
We're not there yet. None of us are there yet. But we are called God's beloved, claimed and known just as we are, blessed and called into this beloved community, called then to bring that belovedness out into the world, to let that so fill our hearts that then we we carry that just automatically with us wherever we go, that that belovedness becomes a sign for us that anybody we meet, whether we meet them in the grocery store checkout line or uh, via an email or a Facebook post or whatever, knows that we are people that are not only beloved ourselves, but who believe that every other person on the planet is a beloved child of God, and we will treat them as such. That's our calling. That belovedness is not just for the select folks that manage to get themselves into church on Sunday, but for all of God's children. Today, we're going to come to these waters of baptism. And just like in communion, when we come forward, uh, you will be invited. You are not uh, obligated in any way. You can choose if you'd like to come forward and just receive the blessing, the reminder of your belovedness. And it doesn't even matter if you've been baptized before. We are going to share in the baptismal, uh, uh, it's called a reaffirmation of baptism that we do Uh, here in the church, but uh, if you want to come and receive these waters, it doesn't matter if you have been baptized or not. Irrelevant. God still loves you. Uh, So we'll be doing that a a little bit later. But as we uh, continue in our worship, I just would invite you to be reflective on your own story, on your own uh, where your story begins where you have experienced yourself as a beloved child of God. Let that reality sink into you, that you might share that with others. Let us pray. God, you call us and you claim us, beloved children of God, Help us, God, to know that in every fiber of our being. Help us, God, to experience that sense of of grace and peace and knowing that you love us just as we are. And help us, God, to carry that truth out into the world that all people are called beloved. May our lives reflect your grace. In the name of Christ, amen.